Welcome to the Gamers Inn. Come on in, pull up a chair next to the fire. It looks like you've had a long journey. I'm your host, Jocelyn, and joining me as always is my co-host, Ryan. Hello, Ryan. Hello, hello. So much news. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I know. We're not going to have a whole lot of time to talk about what we're playing this week, but that's okay because uh, personally, I didn't get nearly as much time in as I wanted to into Kingdoms of Amalur Re-Reckoning. However, uh, I am in there. I got, uh, I touched all the systems, I played in all the things, and uh, it was a good kind of refresher course, I think, in Kingdoms of Amalur. So we're going to talk a little bit about that, just our, our kind of first impressions, and then, oh my god, so much news. This feels like, almost like an E3 week or something, you know? Like, it just, it feels like everybody dropped everything all at once. For so long, we were wondering when Sony and Microsoft were actually going to give us information about when their products were coming and how much they were going to cost. And we got, it was just like dominoes falling. We just got so much stuff this week. So we have lots and lots of stuff to talk about in the news section. So um, yeah, we're just going to quickly touch on Kingdoms of Amalur Re-Reckoning and, uh, and what we thought of it. So Ryan, I know, I think you're further along than I am. I've only kind of just started to explore like my first quest hub and stuff after like <laughs> so playing through the the tutorial part like the kind of like i don't know um not prequel but the um oh my god it's the opposite of an epilogue prologue <laughs> wow it's been a long week you guys it's been a really <laughs> long week but yeah playing through kind of like the tutorial slash prologue of the story and stuff where you first make your character and they kind of introduce you to the world a little bit when i was like running through i'm like oh man i can't put my finger on it but i remember that something bad happens what is it what is it and then like as you're up at the top of the tower i was like oh, no my little gnome friend why <laughs> Yeah, I, I had forgotten that that our, our, our gnome friends do not survive the prologue. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, not many people do. Uh, it's, no. <laughs> it's a wild ride being back in this game because it's one of the first games we played for this show. It came out mm -hmm. uh, February 2012, which would have been our second or third month uh, in, in active sort of podcast mode. And it I find this remaster kind of shows its age a little more than the last remaster we played, which was from the same publisher, THQ Nordic. Yeah. It was uh, Destroy All Humans. Now, I don't know if the 360, you know, sort of era offers more of a, you know, bump it up, but don't do, don't do a, a lot of like extra heavy lifting. Whereas bumping up an Xbox version is, it requires a lot more uh, work to kind of bring it up to the 2020 level. So you might as well update the UI and, and make it a little more presentable. Like I really felt yeah, like... Yeah, I think they had to they had to start from scratch a lot, I think. Mm -hmm. Whereas um, Re-Reckoning feels like the code was probably mostly there and they just had to tweak. Yeah, you, you, you feel it a lot in the controls and you feel it a lot in the menus and the, the button prompts. Like that is a straight up xbox 360 x y a b menu yeah. system and it's straight the straight up is when you see the level up prompt it is the start button on the 360 like yeah <laughs> these, these are little things um and doesn't necessarily ruin 
a game that you may have enjoyed almost 10 years ago and replaying it in a, in a newer fashion. But it's just from a, when you compare it to other remasters and uh, next week, we're probably going to talk about a collection um, of games that aren't going to get as much love as one would hope. And when you live <laughs> in a world where Activision is the golden standard for, for remaking a classic trilogy like Spyro and, and crash that's, is a weird world 2020 is nothing but weird and <laughs> at, chalk up another one where activision is used as the as the golden as the standard the yeah standard, yeah <laughs> but that being said outside of those little things that kind of keeps me grounded in in 2012 you know playing through this game again i'm reminded of how much fun sort of the earlier parts can be as you're starting to learn the combat there is some frustrating moments with the combat where you can kind of I'm playing uh, like a stealth rogue with daggers and, and, and a bow. And sometimes if you get, you can get overwhelmed by characters. However, in one-on-one, it feels very satisfying to like build up that fate meter and then go into slow-mo and just take everybody out and do like the big God of War finisher. But I really yeah. forgot like the story is just, is, is crazy detailed, you know, it's a great fantasy uh, story. The- the world is really well fleshed out. And I think that um, you can see a lot like when you're when you're talking about, you know, building up your your oh, sorry, fate or whatever, uh, your mm-hmm. resource and then executing some like big finishing cinematic move and stuff like what I found was I could pinpoint a lot of like the precursors to a lot of the ways that games work now in Kingdoms of Amalur. And I was like, oh, yeah, like. This was like the first time I remember doing this. And I remember how crazy it was that we got these big cinematic kill moments and stuff. And, you know, it is very dated. Like, it it is still very dated. They didn't really go crazy on on anything in terms of bringing it up to like a 2020 standard. Um, But basically what they did is they made sure that reckoning would run on a 2020 system so i actually think it's okay i kind of just like that it's this preserved system and this preserved experience almost but that will will run and and knock on wood so far i haven't had any crazy glitches or anything it's just like i can now just play this game properly on my 2020 pc and it's fine so i i think maybe just me as a because i remember now as i'm going through i'm like oh yeah i remember all these different things and it was so complicated and you could you know it was very skyrim-esque in that you could um like everything's just available to you all the weapons all the armor types and you can kind of mix and match and make your character however you want to make them and i remember being overwhelmed and frustrated by that in 2012 but now i think i just have more of a capacity for that as a gamer it's like now it's refreshing because i'm so used to games like holding my hand and doing everything for me and making everything easy and you know all the things that we call quality of life updates now have taken something away that like i'm looking at like i spent the first time I leveled up, I spent a good like 20, 25 minutes sitting there reading a talent tree and trying to figure out, okay, if I start here, then where do I want to go? And that's something that I know to do now. Whereas when I was first playing Kingdoms of Amalur way, way back in the day, I was like, 
oh, this skill sounds fun. I'm going to do this. And I didn't actually chart a path. And then I ended up with this really weird build that didn't work. Just character building in general is something that I didn't have a lot of experience in at that point in time. But now I play so many games, whether you want to look at deck building in Hearthstone and trying to find synergies, or if you want to look at Dead by Daylight and taking all of the skills that are available in Dead by Daylight and finding synergies and building a, a character that will work, whether you're killer or survivor, you know, making a, a really good build to, to complement what you're trying to do. Like, those are all skills that I've really refined over the last eight years that maybe, you know, like before I was doing things like I was playing Zelda. Like, that's a pretty on-rails game when you think of character building and, and talents and stuff. It's like you didn't have that stuff in Zelda. You, you know, went through your solve puzzles. You were given your bow and your everything. And there wasn't really, like, choice when it came to character power. And so it wasn't necessarily something. And also I didn't play like Dungeons and Dragons, like none of the paper RPGs. I wasn't playing Warcraft at this point in time. So this whole idea was just so new to me. And yeah, I was playing Skyrim around this time as well. But it was, I don't know, it was like Kingdoms of Amalur was like even more so than Skyrim. Because those Elder Scrolls games are probably like the closest to Amalur that I had played on a regular basis. But even then, Amalur felt so much more um, just like punishing. And I feel like because so far, like it's not nearly as like open world as Skyrim was. So I felt like in Skyrim, I was encouraged and interested in exploring all of the corners of the world, which then just kind of naturally leveled up my character before I went back to the main quest. Whereas like Amalur is very much... Um, Here's the main quest. There's not a whole lot to see. There are very specific like checkpoints that you have to get through and then it'll open up a new area, but it's not quite like open world, open world stuff um, unless it is further on. And I just haven't gotten no. there yet because I know I dropped off of Amalur really early the yeah. first time around. I dropped off pretty early when I first played it as well. I think maybe just leaving the, the first larger area. And there is a there is a a larger map like a larger world map and there it's more of um it's it's like a linear open world experience where there are a string of larger sections that you come yeah. across that's been my so you experience. can kind of it's it's very much like um it kind of like sets you on a path and then it opens up a little bit but then you're gonna get bottlenecked down to the same like boss and story beat and stuff like that so you kind of have these little areas of um side quests in Amalur but you're still on your main your main quest and you're still going one way whereas Skyrim was just like hey here's this really big world you can literally wander your way through everything and do whatever you want and try different delves that you come across well they're called delves in ESO but you know different dungeons and stuff that you come across and you can just poke your way around and if you poke in the wrong spot then you're just going to get one shot but you know you could try um, so it was much more like the, the exploration and the XP gain in Skyrim felt a little bit more, um, off rails and, and so, um, organic. And I can, I can see now playing those things side by side, why I gravitated towards Skyrim and fell off of Amalur so quickly. But then the flip side of that is now, you know, the story and the world is so rich and I, 
like the idea more now of a game because now it seems like different and new and refreshing, even though it's a 2012 thing. But like, like I said, with all these quality of life changes and stuff, like I, I like the difficulty and the complexity of Amalur and the fact that you can't just run around the whole entire world you know, um, poking wolves in the face with your daggers and, you know, le out leveling the the boss that you're supposed to be facing in your main storyline. It's like there's almost like an XP budget in Amalur where they're like, OK, you're in area one. You're going to get 100 XP in this one area, which is enough to buy four talents. What are the four talents that you want to then take into the first boss? Like, that's how it feels to me. Like, it's much more um controlled or much more limited which sounds like maybe it's a bad thing but it means that you have really meaningful choices to make when it comes to how you want to play and what you want to do because you can't just have everything like skyrim to me felt like well if i run around and kill enough low level stuff eventually i'll just have everything and then my boss fights are easy which is definitely the way i played and amalur is the exact opposite of that and I appreciate it more as a 2020 gamer than I did as a 2012 gamer. <laughs> yeah, it's it's been it's been a lot of fun to jump back in. And I think uh, it does have that 2012 sort of feel to the combat. I mean, this is a, this is a 2012 game. I mean, we shouldn't be sort of <laughs> sugarcoating it here. But I think with the combat, um, you do feel as though a sequel to Kingdoms of Amalur, which we should have had thrice by now but uh, yeah ages you, and ages ago <laughs> yeah um but it's i in ages of this world yes and we have lived without a sequel it's true <laughs> it's it's and and i mean i don't know if you're making fun of the vo in this game but it it, it holds up to a certain <laughs> yeah, the, degree no the vo is really good yeah. i yeah i've i have enjoyed it a lot i feel like there's a lot of voices in Amalur that are very recognizable to me mm -hmm. but I can't quite quite place them and I feel like Amalur in a lot of cases was probably that voice actors like first gig <laughs> and then now they've gone on to work in a whole bunch of other video games that I've played so I'm like oh you're that guy from this thing yeah. like five years later <laughs> and that man became that guy from the last of it I don't know um, <laughs> and that was the way Nolan North got the voice acting gig of everything. Uh, <laughs> what? Where is that accent? Why did you? That is not like a fantasy accent. No, it's. Uh, and now you know the rest of the story. I don't know why. Uh, <laughs> what is it? Harvey? Some Harvey guy. Anyways, look it up. Um, okay. <laughs> speaking of. <laughs> how old am I? Um, that was like 20 years ago. I remember listening to that in the car with my parents. I'm pretty sure he's dead now. Um, but <laughs> you're right, though. When you listen to the intro to the prologue to this to this game, there's one voice actor. It's one of the gnomes who tragically yeah. dies. Uh, his voice sounds so familiar, and I'm pretty sure he was in a bunch of like cartoons, uh, like kids' yeah. cartoons back in the day. And he just sounds so familiar. But I, I when I was going through this game, I forgot how silly it was. It kind of reminds me of sort of an American you know comedy style similar to fable like a fables like a british comedy style kingdoms of amalur is kind of like a, a more american uh, and i don't even know if the game i'm pretty sure the game was made in the states i know the parent oh yeah it was made in i was gonna say yeah that that's that was the whole controversy <laughs> well i thought that was the parent company like big huge games was the other one but i think they are they might also be in rhode island i've it's been it's been so long and 
Um, but I, I got the sense that like from, from the comedy side of it, they were going for more of a like an American style. It doesn't, it doesn't have as much of the poop and fart jokes that I was going to say, I feel like they class it up a little bit. Like fable (laughs) fable very much goes like, yeah, we have prostitutes and whores and we open the bars. So people are puking all over the place and also butts because butts are funny. And we're like, yeah, fable butts are funny. (laughs) This one doesn't have that, (laughs) but it's a little bit more highbrow. Yeah. It's it's like the high fantasy version of butt jokes. Yeah. It's like, (laughs) it's like if they made a Lord of the Rings comedy, but like it wasn't a complete like scary movie take. It was more of a, I don't know. It was just funny sometimes, I guess. Like more than it usually is. Because uh, Lord of the Rings has got some moments. Ryan's idea of a comedy. It was funny sometimes, <laughs> I guess. You know what? It's a low bar. It's a low bar. Um, you know, cast Adam Sandler, sell it to Netflix. You're all set. Uh, I... I like the story. It feels like there. I don't read a lot of fantasy, um, but obviously I've experienced you know a lot of uh, like fantasy stories and movies and video games. But they all they all have sort of that connecting tissue of you know old school Lord of the Rings. But this one, Kingdoms of Amalur, obviously has that as well. But it feels like they've presented a new take on it, where you know the elves are very much in your face about how you're gonna die. And the whole story, the whole world about this game is every mortal, the second you're born, everybody like your life is laid out for you. Right. And and they rub that in your face, like pretty much early on until they discover that, oh, wait, you don't have a a fate and you running around this world is just creating chaos because you were supposed to die. And I love that take on it, because as you progress through the game and you, you get to more of these story moments, there are moments where you you do something just just through gameplay and I, I don't think it's a dynamic system i think it's just the story going here but you do something and the guy's like oh well i was supposed to die there and now i'm not so you being here has already changed stuff drastically so yeah i'm a little freaked out right now because <laughs> he was all prepared <laughs> to die because that's yeah. his job he's a fate weaver uh he's supposed to know everything but i i really like the story they were laying down and i i'm, I'm really bummed that i did bounce off of it so long ago because i remember the specific moment i had walked off the path trying to do more of the main quest before we recorded a show to to talk about it and if you try to follow just the main quest it's going to lead you into areas that you're not prepared for and the game doesn't surface that information to you you know you're in the wrong area because someone takes a bite out of you and you die you know it's not saying you're too high level for this it, you just die so when you die, you know, you need, oh, I, I, there's no way I can do this without, without, uh, bashing my head against the wall. I need to go back, do some quests, then try again. Unless I'm missing something and that information is surfaced to the player and, um, it's totally not. And okay, that's what I, I mean. Like things that we, we think of as like quality of life things now very much like dumb it down for the player in a lot of cases and so i feel like amalur doesn't do that and again like back in the day when we played this i had the exact same experience except it wasn't with um like it was the mass effect 3 problem right so for me it wasn't like uh that i had wandered into the wrong area it's that i got to the first boss fight without doing basically like any side quests and I was just bashing my head against it and I had gotten it down to you know like 20% or so and I was like oh my god this is so hard I can't do it I don't understand like I played it the same boss fight 
over and over and over again for a few hours. And then because, again, we were recording the show and I was supposed to give thoughts on it. So I was like, I just want to get this boss down. I want to move on and I want to see things. And, you know, everyone's telling me the world's ending and all the rest of it, which is the Mass Effect 3 problem. Oh, my God, the world's ending, the world's ending. But do this side quest. And I was like, I didn't want to do a side quest. I was really enjoying the story that you were telling me in the main quest. And then now all of a sudden I've hit this wall that I can't get past. And that's where I stopped playing. And I totally agree with you. It's so unfortunate because this game has such a good story and good lore and the combat isn't terrible. Like, and again, especially now I have a much more, I, I just have a different opinion and I have a lot more experience and I, I feel like this is a, a much better game than I originally gave it credit for being. And like you, you mentioned the voice acting and stuff, there's so much of it in this game and it's so good. Mm -hmm. So yeah, I'm, I'm really looking forward. I think I will play it this all the way through now that I, again, have a, a different understanding and, and everything else. Of, and I'll play some of the side quests and I'll, you know, I'll help the little guy and I'll realize the world's not ending and, I'm not actually on a timer <laughs> yeah, it's and, to, uh, like, and we'll see how it goes from a story perspective is the world ending. I'm, I'm kind of trying, I'm having a hard time, like kind of understanding like the, the moment to moment story stuff, that's all great. And the flavor text and, and everything they have in there that they've built out this world, it's really great, but I I may have missed or may have glossed over like what, what are we doing? Like, I know that we've been res resurrected. I think that you, yeah, I think that, um, like, cause again, like I say, it was like the first major boss fight. So not the, not the like little mini troll boss in the, in the tower, in the prologue. Um, it was like the first major boss fight. And I feel like you're still at that point. Cause you are the proof that the soul thing worked. So you have to get to somebody and you're trying to get there before you're discovered by the evil elf guys and uh, whatever. Awesome. And there's, yeah, there's a boss between you and your goal. And to me, it felt like, okay, I, I need to get there. I like, I can't die. I need to get there. That's the, like, it felt very much like the big story beat the way that it was presented is like basically the, the kicking off point for the rest of your journey was like, first you have to, make it to like let's just say the king i can't remember exactly who it is but you know you had to make it to the king to prove that the gnome experiment in the tower was a success and you know like mortals can be brought back to life and blah 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 um and so i really had this feeling of urgency of like i have to get to the king i have to get to the king i want to you know kick off the rest of of reckoning and and see what kind of story they're telling and whether that was, you know, actually the way the rest of the game played out or not, I never found out because I, I hit this boss wall and, and just stopped playing. So, um, but that at least was the, was the piece of the story that made me feel like I had to keep, you know, going and I and it didn't want to go back and, and do stupid little things. Cause I was like, why am I hanging out here? Like they just collapsed the tower behind me. Like I gotta go. Yeah. <laughs> They're going to find me and kill me for good this time. <laughs> oh, don't worry. Those jagged rocks, they fell on the opening. It's going to take them eons to get out. Or <laughs> yeah. <crushed. laughs> so it's totally fine if I go help the chickens. This time I know that. So, uh, okay. yeah, I'm looking looking forward to getting into uh, more into Amalur and, and seeing what that story has in store. And I'm hoping as well that this game has done well enough for 
the new owners of the IP to actually do something with it. Because they got all the stuff. I think we were talking about this when we first started talking about uh, KOA re-reckoning is that the all of the assets for the MMO that they were building, that all came along with Kingdoms of Amalur. So hopefully they'll do something with that after this remaster uh, that will be like a 2020 type version. Yeah. Well, we are getting the expansion in 2021. (laughs) Yeah, Um, but I mean like a a whole new game, whatever genre they decide to go for. Yes, I would I would I would love to see uh, even just a Kingdoms of Amalur 2 two or yeah re re reckoning you know <laughs> we're back i just want to i just want more of this story in this world and this lore because um it's it, like you mentioned um tolkien and lord of the rings and there's definitely that feel but i feel like there's a lot of um like earthen mythology that's mixed in as well like fey and fairies is very um like is very folklorish like irish type stuff and there's some norse things in there too and there's a lot of like traditional fantasy mixed with a lot of like mythology i guess and smooshed all together to make amalur into a really different in in, and interesting place so yeah i just i just want to see more so i'm uh i'm looking forward to whatever they have and i'm looking forward to making the rest of my way through kingdoms of amalur re-reckoning with the caveat that it is a bit of a janky 2012 game. Like the, the combat didn't get changed. The, you know, there's still the hallmarks of that. But I think that if you can get past that, this is 100% worth playing. It's it's very well written. It it really, really is. Yeah, I think I think we're, you know, in comparison to Destroy All Humans and, and Kingdoms of Amalur, you're looking at what was a complex game on you know, uh, mid cycle for the 360. I think you're going to see this crop up again when uh, the Mass Effect trilogy gets announced, which has been leaked and rumored for for months. Um, you're you're going to experience the same thing when you go back to those games, and they they still carry that 360 weight. A very complex game from that generation that would require a lot of work to. To change something that isn't necessarily broken just feels dated, right? But that's mm-hmm. that comes with the territory of playing a remake, uh, not a not a remaster. Where I think when you look at Destroy All Humans, where you're looking at what was a simpler product from the Xbox generation, they had to do a lot of work to to bump it up, and uh, with that, it, it just it brought the game up to a whole new level. And maybe that one's more of a remake as opposed to a remaster, because again, it. it it is two generations ago, but I think that's the core issue with with these remasters from just uh, a generation ago, especially when we're on the tail end of of this current generation. Like yeah. you're noticing, um, like not an not not enough uh, not enough work is you, you know you, it doesn't warrant the effort to go in and change a bunch of stuff when it's just a generation old. But they do enough here, I think, that really presents and, and allows you to play this game with up-res graphics. The graphics look great. Again, like a good remake or a good remaster is when you play a game and think, oh yeah, this is exactly what it looked like. But you know, it it isn't. It's it's bumped up. It's yeah. just it's how your mind. I thought the it. the environment. Yeah, the environments I thought were really well done. The mm-hmm. characters were you know 
But the environments, I thought, looked really good. And I was like, there's no way they looked like this in 2012. No. Yeah, they. I think uh, it all looks it all looks really good. Like they've they've polished it up. But yeah, the, the characters, um, some of the faces. But but even then, like it just it, it's it, it is a re, it, it is a remaster. And I think they from a graphic standpoint and from a music and sound standpoint, like they really they really bumped it up in a really sweet way, but uh, there's just some stuff that does lag behind, like the some of the controls and and uh, the UI and stuff that is stuck. In oh man, the camera, the camera shake whenever whenever <laughs> like big rocks would fall in the tutorial, I was like, oh man, it was jarring, and it was like you could like see your character like there was like no like motion blur or anything so it was just like <laughs> your character's like over on the right and then in the middle and then on the left and i was like wow that is just that is some jank yeah <laughs> but again but from still that generation worth it. <laughs> yeah it, 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 was it was good at the time i'm sure <laughs> yeah and i think there's like a move so with daggers there's a move where if you hold down the x button you'll like charge up like a dashing sort of between like you'll dash up to five times and sometimes it will give you like this weird camera flash and it'll just turn the screen yeah. white and it's like again back in the day that was the way of displaying in a you know an intense effect or maybe it's just the way the character crosses the camera, but it it just it there are points of the game. There's not enough of it that uh, that that shine or that stands out as something that hasn't aged well. There's more here that there's more good than there's bad. more good than bad. Yes, for sure, I agree. If you guys like the content that we produce, head on over to patreon.com slash the gamers in to support the show. We are currently looking for our October patrons. So if you'd like to support the gamers in again, that's patreon.com slash the gamers in. That brings us to our news segment this week. And uh, we have so much next gen console stuff to talk about. So we had uh, Microsoft and Sony both come out and do uh, big presentations that gave us the thing that we were most interested in, which let's be honest, was a price. So um, Xbox Series X is going to be uh, $499 US or $599 Canadian with a launch date of November 10th. And then the uh, PlayStation came out and said that they also are, you know, they're they're in actually like well, depends which edition you go with. Mm -hmm. They're either cheaper or more expensive, depending on the edition. So the digital only edition is um, 500 Canadian and the uh, Blu-ray edition. So the one that has the disc drive on it is going to be $630 Canadian. So, uh, yeah, we're they're They're kind of like matching and beating the um, the Xbox prior, I guess. Well, beating. Wait, hang on. They're slightly over if you want the disk drive and they're under if you don't want the disk drive, if you want the digital only version. So, yeah, yeah. it's and it, it's kind of wild when you look at this. Like if you look at what is a traditional console launch, the Xbox Series X and the traditional disk version of the PS5 is what you would normally get, which are priced yeah. at the $599 Canadian and the $629 um, uh, Canadian, but but then again, if you look at the American prices, they're the same. They're four ninety nine U.S. dollars each, and yeah. that that is nor what we would normally get. So they are on even playing field. They're launching around the same time. Uh, PlayStation's November twelfth in eight regions, nineteenth rest of the world. I think Microsoft is November tenth across the board. 
but that's pretty standard for for these sort of these two giants when they when they launch around the same time that but then where it gets different is when you you take into effect like the the digital version of the ps5 being a hundred dollars less which is what most people predicted and then the xbox series s being even cheaper than that another hundred dollars off it's 299 american that doesn't have a disk drive as well but plays all xbox series games only at 1440p and there's been a lot of like back and forth on what the xbox series s is capable of in the sense that they'll only run xbox one s versions of backwards compatible games right it's but essentially what you're getting is you're getting a um you're not you're getting a non 4k console that can play all the same games um yeah that you can play on your xbox series x so it's kind of wild and and i would imagine microsoft will probably launch a maybe they'll launch a a digital xbox series x down the road like in a year or so at, at a at a discounted price to kind of compete directly with what ps5 digital edition is doing but as of right now it's you've got you've got products across the price range from you know 299 all the way up to to 499 and 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 options in between it's kind of crazy the amount of choice people are going to have this holiday yeah and so i i wanted to talk a little bit about the playstation versions because i was a little bit surprised i know obviously that people who pay much more attention than me and know a lot more than me and are you know inside the industry and watching this stuff a whole lot closer than I am, um, maybe saw this coming, but I was really hoping that either the digital edition would be the same price or maybe even more than the disc edition because I was thinking that, you know, everything in it, like hard drive wise, was just going to be absolutely huge to, su- to support the fact that you can't use discs. <laughs> like yeah. the only way to do things is to download them and store them on your hard drive. So I wanted them to keep the pricing the same and then be like, oh, but you have a gajillion storage units. <laughs> like that was that was my hope. Um, yeah, and, and this is where... Because it seems like the digital version's like the cheapo version. <laughs> it's it's definitely they've they've discounted it. But really what what Sony is looking at here is like, okay, they knock a hundred dollars off the price, but forcing you to uh, the consumer to purchase all of your games either directly from Sony or to buy the, the code cards from, from EB games. I don't know what cut EB games gets from selling those code cards. I would imagine next to nothing in comparison to the markup they can get from a used game. But Sony, Sony is they're happily giving you a hundred dollars off for getting more money from you in the long run through purchasing all your games digitally. Not to mention, you know, storage expansions. Like Microsoft has come right out and shown that their storage expansions are proprietary. You're going to have to purchase these expansion cards that come from I think they're one to two terabytes at launch. I think we don't. I don't know how much they're going to cost. I don't know if they've announced the price, but Sony has said. proprietary i don't know why that was so hard for me to say but that is always bad for price like apple is a perfect example of that those stupid freaking (laughs) headphones that i had to buy to go into my iphone were 80 bucks for like no name nothings because they had the apple connector on them instead of a normal like earbud headphone jack like i've got so many sets of earbuds (laughs) 
Huh? The adapter uh, wouldn't. Do they been... ma- do they make no? Do they make those? I looked for Apple stuff everywhere without I... you know actually leaving my house because you know COVID reasons. But uh, yeah, I was just like everything I looked for was like no, you have to buy Apple headphones. I was like, okay. Oh. <laughs> I think there's an adapter, but I well, the Apple re- website does not advertise oh. that they have an adapter. No, why would they? They want you to buy yeah. their their. <laughs> Although I'll say this. Um, if you like the Apple head, this is off track, but if you like the Apple headphones, <laughs> you, you, ha- you have to look at AirPods because again, wireless earbuds Ryan, change everything. I know it's expensive. Those are a billion dollars. I looked at those because I was like, okay, yeah, penny. you know, like, <laughs> no, false. That thing costs as much as a television <laughs> and they're uh, earbuds. They're stupid. Aren't they like a hundred bucks? Like what kind of TVs no, they're are not. you buying? They're 329 Oh, well, the pros are like, you got to go to the pro. Why do you go to, <laughs> you well, get the, the, uh, the other ones are like 275. Like, really? really? That's expensive. Yeah, okay. I know. Well, I bought them a while ago. I use them every day. I mean, ask Ashley. She'll tell you how annoying it is. Um, it's like, why aren't you answering me? And then I turn my head. It's like, oh, you got one of those shitty things in your ears. Yeah, they're a gajillion dollars. Anyways, and my point annoying. is, my point is not whether apple products are worth the money or not my point is that apple products are expensive because they're apple only they're proprietary they've got their own plugs they've got their own whatever and that's never good for the consumer because xbox now can charge whatever the heck they want for that storage as opposed to like me being able to go over to Best Buy or, you know, mm. order online from Best Buy and, you know, get like a, I don't even know, like a, a Seagate or a Western Digital or, a, you know, anybody else who makes storage. Well, it's, it's funny you mention that because the expansion passes or the expansion, you know, uh, units are made by Seagate. And so, yeah, but, but you're right. They're pri- they're proprietary they're, in the sense yeah. of the, the technology, uh, the way they're built and the way they're... And the way know, they connect to exactly. the system. So, yeah. but this is the... This is the crux of these new systems and the way they're able to, you know, tote instant loading and multiple games, seamless switching is that it's the... and how they're e- able to keep the price down too, right? Like the the way that they get their money back from the consoles, like you mentioned the games and the digital only and the having to deal directly with Sony. Mm-hmm. But the other piece of that is the accessories is all the things that goes along with it, you know. They can offer the console at either cost or even potentially a loss because of all the money they're going to make off of you in the intervening years. Like they just want that console in your house so that you're buying their games, you're buying their controllers, you're buying their hard drives when you have to, because their hard drive that came with the console is not big enough. Like all of that is money over time. And that's what they're investing in when they give you these basically at cost consoles. Yeah. Well, and I mean, what Microsoft is doing is they're saying like, here's our, here's the way you can expand your storage. Sony, from what I understand, it was way back in February when they did the the tech deep dive is they said, because this hard drive, that's the, the equipment that's in the PS5 is so custom, you can, re- you'll be able to replace the drive, but they haven't even, they, I don't, I think they were saying something like, well, we, there aren't drives that can replace the drive in here that are affordable that have higher capacity um, that we've tested. They're not available yet. And if they are, they're super expensive. So I think Sony is still putting together that support dock if you want to go mm. above one terabyte. And I think they said, again, like this is months old, so people can correct me. Um, 
I think you can plug in a USB 3 hard drive, but you have to, whatever game you're playing has to run off of the specific hardware on the PS5 unit. So plugging one in, you can do it to expand your 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 space, but you're going to be putting PS4 and media stuff in there. Maybe apps. I don't know if if the apps will run off there, but that's not the concern. The concern is the games. Is the games, yeah. Yeah. So I I mean, for me, one terabyte, like that's that's pretty that good. Seems Oh my god, I was gonna say the exact opposite. It, to, for <laughs> a launch say, console, it it's okay. So like, small. It is small. So, okay. <laughs> I have uh I went and bought a new um a new one terabyte drive, um, like a solid state hard drive to yeah. run my PC games off of. Mm. And I have about 10 games installed on Steam, and I only have 200 gigs left on my hard drive so it's like it's 80 percent full with like 10 steam games so i've got hang on i i can i can list them off for you it's dead by daylight for surezies obviously for sure so you gotta uh, get that by daylight yeah (laughs) dead by daylight depth frostpunk three jackbox uh bundles layers of fear Overcooked to Raft, so lots and lots and lots of indie stuff in here. Yeah. Uh, then I have Civ Six, Sea of Thieves, the the beta insider build, and Subnautica, and mm. Among Us. Sorry, I just downloaded and installed Among Us. And the, that's, so that's that's taking up eight hundred gigabytes. Up, no. Yeah, that's like yeah. And oh, sorry, Beholder Two, Council. So I have a couple of others. Don't Starve. Like, but I'm not talking. I don't have like big huge open world a whole bunch of things like the, it's i have games on it but nothing like crazy the major the vast majority i would say 90 percent of my steam library oh i have horizon zero dawn on there now too yeah that would do it and, yeah like and kingdoms and kingdoms so but the vast kingdom. majority of my oh. steam yeah the koa the vast majority <laughs> of my steam library like 90 to 95 percent of my steam library is just not installed <laughs> and like i just don't have storage space for it anymore so one terabyte is you're going to get to the to the point where you are constantly uninstalling and reinstalling games which is fine if you have unlimited internet if you've got any kind of cap on your internet which i don't know if people still have that i know we pay for unlimited internet but we also pay through the nose for it but if you if you don't have unlimited internet, then this is going to start to be a very real problem really quickly. Like <laughs> it just the one terabyte goes really fast, especially if you're playing a lot of large open world AAA titles. Well, the reason you buy a P- the reason you buy a PlayStation Five uh, is to play. Sony's is not for hits. Among Us. <laughs> yeah. yeah, it's it's <laughs> which for... I don't even think we've talked about on this show yet. But Among no. Us is um is really good. It's a couple of years old now, but it's uh yeah, it's really good. And you guys, um, we should get a group together and probably play it for uh, Extra Life as well because okay. it's it's great. I'll it's a very a accessible version of. Do you remember when I was talking about um Throne of Lies and Town of Salem, like those kind of games? Yes. Yeah. You. It's the same. It's the same that. sort of idea, but it's uh it's much more like accessible. It's yeah. Anyways, Among Ooh. Us. It's good. It's really fun. I've been know. playing it with my raid team. But uh, yeah, like it's not made for those smaller experiences. If you're buying a next gen console, you're buying it to play the Horizon 2s and the 
whatever else is of the world <laughs> i guess i guess my reaction to one one terabyte was uh is basically the fact that like right now one terabyte doesn't seem like too bad of a like i think my xbox one x has one terabyte but then i have i have another you know little drive hooked up to it which i think is another terabyte so maybe i'm maybe <laughs> i'm sitting on two terabytes for both systems and it's been fine um but then you're but also two talking... terabytes is double what the oh, playstation's gonna have yeah. no I, I i i understand that but i think like i think the difference between you and i is we're, we're you know i'm i'm content to uninstall but then i i've had unlimited internet for so long um that i guess i i i thinking back to the time when i didn't have unlimited um with uh with the previous provider i remember looking at like oh I've, i'm getting the disc version and of a game and that's fine but oh i download another one and then i found out my xbox like re-downloaded you know the master chief collection as an update the update was the game so i looked at my data cap and i'm like where'd this 90 gigs come where'd this like 500 gigabytes come from and it's my xbox just updating everything again because there's some <laughs> bug with the external drive so i i definitely see that and yeah, like one terabyte isn't enough. One terabyte is going to be enough to get you through probably year one. Um, but then I guess it just comes back to like when I when I answered one terabyte seemed fine. Like from an in entry level launch consoles trying to keep the cost down, one terabyte makes sense. Because I think the difference between when you look at a solid state drive, one terabyte versus two terabyte, one terabyte's affordable. Two terabyte is like pro consumer style type uh prices we're talking probably close to i don't i don't know how much but i know it's not it's not achievable in a in a, in a next-gen console when you're trying to keep costs low and yeah i think that's the core issue here and i think there will be two terabyte you know next-gen consoles maybe next year and that'll be a big deal when they sort of announce that that new edition but I think as of right now, yeah, you're going to have to uninstall games and you're going to have to sort of think about, you know, maybe I only uninstall the ones that I have on disk so I don't have to like download them again. Maybe you can back up games to a hard drive. You can't run them there, but you can back them up so that you don't have to delete them. You can just move them off the drive that runs them. That could be an option. I think they talked a little bit about maybe, maybe I'm making this up for Sony. So Sony, if you're listening, feel free to do this. <laughs> maybe they say like you can archive the Nintendo Switch does this. You can like archive software. Actually, I think the the Switch just deletes it and leaves the icon. But if you archive the game and then that puts it on your external drive, like that's connected to your system, and then if you ever want to run it again, it's just hot swappable. Like and you you copy it back over, and you have to wait a little bit, but at least you don't have to re-download it. I I think you know companies probably you know Microsoft's going to come up with these solutions before Sony does. Sony's always late to the game when it comes to these little fixes. Um, you know, I think Sony didn't add playing games off of an external drive on the PS4 till years after, you know, Microsoft had for the Xbox one. So I could see stuff like that coming down the road. They are going to have to address the concern of, um, locking in a one or having a one terabyte drive. They did say the PS5 one is swappable, but yeah, that's something to think about with your digital version is, uh, why did I say Make sure you only uninstall the ones they have discs for because well, you're <laughs> buying you can't a digital. Discs. You can't yeah. use discs. I mean, you're going to run into this issue with the disc one as well because games haven't run off of a, a CD since 
the ps3 ps2 maybe i don't know like it's all installed <laughs> on the drive so yeah it's all just straight installed yeah <laughs> i don't know i think you and i are waiting like anyways i don't think you or i are going to get a two terabyte version because horizon's coming out in the first year but um, yeah yeah which is another thing that they kind of confirmed right is that we're we're getting i thought they had said that there's horizon coming like imminently well this maybe is i'm thing. just thinking 2021 is imminent <laughs> 2021's around the corner uh yeah <laughs> you know when we here's the biggest difference that i noticed over the last week when it came to xbox and ps5 is that xbox does not have you know capital letters games right they have games don't get me wrong they have over a thousand as according to one of their blog posts but when you look at the PlayStation 5... You sound so skeptical. I like, mean, you're like, they made that number up. I mean, they I mean, they just... If you say over 100, it's like, oh, that's not impressive. Over 1,000? Well, now we're talking. Um, <laughs> but the PlayStation 5, like, what we noticed from... What I noticed from their last two streams in, in relation to um, the new console is that they do have, you know, ca- capital letter games, like AAA first-party experiences that are coming out in 2021 they teased the next god of war game which we know it's been coming because they've been hiring like madmen but that game well was and i mean like the, it was it was so successful right like yeah. they, there's no way it wasn't getting a sequel i feel like it was very much in the in the same realm as horizon right yeah you made so much money why would you not make another one <laughs> yeah i mean they've they've got this formula down where they are making you know top tier uh AAA experiences not since you look at nintendo and their ability to churn out great you know um well-produced first-party games playstation has caught on to that and they are they're running with that formula and they're building up their ip i mean they've somehow run away with spider-man good for them uh it's always (laughs) good to to grab somebody else's work and and say all right the football's mine uh and then not give it to anybody else to play with but i I mean, you've got a new Spider-Man coming, uh, 20, you know, first year you've got God of War, which again, I would have pegged God of War at 2022, but Horizon 2021, um, Ratchet and Clank is one of those games that's been said, we're not ready to announce, but it's launch windows. So again, probably 2021, the PS5 is going to have games and, uh, you look at the Xbox series X and it's like, yeah, it's going to play games, but probably not games that you can't play elsewhere and i know we've had this conversation well and a, yeah times, and but. especially with the with the pc right with all of mm-hmm. the cross play on pc or cross whatever on pc like the fact that you can play microsoft titles over on pc with no boundaries is i think working against xbox in that I mean, and again, they they probably don't care if I buy their hardware. They just want me playing their titles, which if I can do it on PC, uh, guess what? That's a Microsoft thing, too. So, you know. Yeah, they've got <laughs> you already. They've right? got me no matter what. Yeah, exactly. So I think that's why they're not necessarily as concerned about, you know, offering stuff up on PC, because as long as you're buying their games, they really don't care. And uh, yeah, so again, it kind of goes back to the conversation at the beginning about, you know, selling the consoles at a loss to to sell the, the accessories and whatever, like the pro pro super duper, whatever they call it, Xbox controller is like 250 bucks or something. It's crazy. Um, so, you know, and that will plug into your PC. Like that's where they, that's their cash cows. That's where they're getting their money from. So, yeah, I mean, they don't need to worry necessarily because they have another platform that is in most of our houses anyways, 
they don't need to worry necessarily so much about making a console. They're still making a console for people who can't or afford a gaming PC or don't have a gaming PC or whatever that want those next gen experiences, those 4K big effects, lots of dust and and dirt and particles and stuff like you want those experiences, but you don't have a PC. They're giving you a way to get that. But they're not focused on selling their hardware necessarily as much as PlayStation needs to be. So, yeah, they're just they're very like Microsoft's very focused on offering you uh, consumers options. And one of those options being Xbox All Access, which was a fairly attractive deal in the States where you could pay a monthly fee. It was essentially like a credit line that you took out with whatever company they were working with and you got the console and you paid a monthly fee was like uh i think the xbox series x is 35 us and you got the xbox series you'll get the xbox series x and you'll get um xbox game pass ultimate for two years so essentially the the two years you're spending to uh, pay off this console and they've expanded that to more countries including canada and i'm kind of looking at that and i'm like okay Game Pass I've had for the last year, there's always at least one game, whether it be an indie or uh, a full price first party game that I'm playing. I mean, Xbox is going to have games eventually. It's kind of one of those attractive options where it's like, okay, if I can pay a monthly fee and I'll have everything I need to play a game that pops up on my Xbox Series X, I've got the console, the subscription, the online access. Uh, like Xbox Live Gold, the subscription to the games, now including uh, EA Play that's going to be added in the holidays, so I'll get access to to EA stuff as well. That's a pretty attractive way to not have to drop $1,000 in one visit. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, you as a subscription collector, you, you're you probably all like looking at this and thinking, hmm, maybe I can get a, <laughs> another subscription. <laughs> right? I'm like, well, I already have Game Pass Ultimate, yeah. so not that I've looked at it in six months, but it's there. <laughs> yes. Well, the thing is, it, it, for me, I'm looking at this, like I, I'm pretty sure I'll own an Xbox Series X at some point, and I know I'm going to own a PlayStation 5. It really comes down to what pushes me over the edge. And I think with the PlayStation 5, it's going to be games. It's going to be God of War and Horizon and Ratchet and Clank and Spider-Man. Less so Spider-Man. We'll get back to that. But when it comes to Xbox, it's like, maybe my PC won't be, you know, we'll see how it handles some of the new games that are coming out this holiday. Let's see what Cyberpunk 2077 runs at. And mm-hmm. I'm more inclined to probably buy a new console as opposed to building a new PC or or tinkering with a new video card, although the new video cards look great. But for 50 <laughs> bucks a month to just have the system with all the stuff I need to play games as they come become available, that sounds pretty attractive, right? It mm-hmm. sounds like, a, like an easier way to ease my way into the next generation without spending a bunch of money. Um, but it's just, it all goes back to offering consumers a lot of different options. And for most folks, the Xbox series S might be enough like 4k TVs. Yeah. They're they're They've very much, you know, hit the market and a lot of people have them, but they're still kind of a pain to like have and set up and update and make sure everything looks good. A lot of people might be fine with just a 1440, uh p xbox series s and that's just what they're sort of guaranteeing right because they will have games that can run at 4k on the xbox series s it's just they're guaranteeing 120 frames per second 
at that 1440 resolution, right? So Mm -hmm. it's going to be interesting to see how all these options play out come uh, maybe this time next year, see where we're all at, right? Yeah. I know like me, I'm, I'm still waiting. I know I'm going to, uh, I know I'm going to grab a PlayStation when Horizon 2 launches because I'm expecting, I'm kind of holding out for what I'm expecting to be a collector's edition. So I know I'm not going to get PlayStation in the launch window. And Mm. then like everything we just talked about with, with Xbox, I'm kind of in the same camp as you is that I'll have to see how things play on my PC, but it should be all fine. So Mm -hmm. I, I don't think I'm going to go for the Xbox on launch either, though I do think Xbox is maybe a little bit more attractive just because I have a lot of people that, you know, because they have all that PC cross compatibility and stuff, like sometimes it would be nice to just like jump into Sea of Thieves that normally I play on my PC, but I want to, you know, go chill on my couch and it's the same same game, same account, same everything, except, you know, I want to go play it really pretty in 4K on my TV. Like, yeah, maybe like and again, it's it's kind of taking advantage of what I was just saying was maybe shooting themselves in the foot. But it's de- like for me, a, a very have gamer as opposed to a have not gamer. Like I I am lucky to have, you know, the the TV and the and the ability to have a gaming computer and also an Xbox. Like I know I'm a very niche person but that's also you know could be a big plus if you do have both is that you can just jump between the two pretty much seamlessly like as much as the windows store is a pain in the butt to use and the xbox app sometimes bogs down my computer um it is still it's doable it's all in the same ecosystem which you know it has its own benefits as well yeah and i mean you're getting with the i i'm pretty sure that the xbox all access will be what I go for when I when yeah. I move over to the Xbox Series X. I don't I'm not getting anything this launch window. I'm waiting for a very um you know, can't wait any longer game or situation mm. to come across. And I think with Xbox Series X it'll be more of a I think I'm ready, but there probably won't be anything crazy. Like maybe when Halo Infinite finally launches, it'll be like, "All right, I want to play it on you know, the best way to play it." I probably wasn't, I was going to try it on PC first if it was launching this November, but we'll see when it comes out next year. I just think with that Xbox All Access, that changes the conversation because it's it's more of a manageable bite. When it comes to the PlayStation 5, I was really worried. And I know um, co-host on Dungeons and Diapers, Crofton, was saying like, oh, the Spider-Man Miles Morales game is going to come to PS4. And I'm like, I don't know. They touted their whole <laughs> generations thing. And I yeah. thought really that game was going to push me over the edge because I know I'm going to get a PS5 eventually. I know that thing is going and it's not going to cost any less within the first year. So it's really about investing in it. But when they announced after the presentation on Twitter that the Miles Morales game was coming to PS4, I was like, all right. I can play that game on the PS4 and, and wait I a can wait bit. then. Yeah. Yeah. Like I, when I heard that, I was kind of surprised and then kind of relieved because I, I am looking forward to skipping the rat race that is trying to buy a new shiny box because those PlayStation 5 pre-orders did not go well for people. Like it's been. Oh yeah. We haven't even show. talked to, yeah, we haven't even talked about that yet. And I mean, we're, we're definitely running into i think we're running long i don't know ryan how long how, how long have we been recording now you've got 40 <laughs> seconds and then we're into overtime I have 40 Go. seconds oh my god okay <laughs> so uh yeah the whole playstation 5 
pre-order thing was super crazy because essentially at the end of their presentation, they're like, oh, and our, you know, other big news other than launch date and pricing is guess what? Pre-orders open as early as tomorrow at select retailers. And then the retailers were like, haha, jokes on you, Sony. We're going to open them now. And it was a shit show. <laughs> yeah. I mean, you know, they're sold out everywhere before it even hit the 17th when Sony said that pre-orders are going to open. Like, yeah. and we don't even know. We haven't even heard. And this is the super crazy part because they said they were going to give everybody plenty of notice. They gave everybody like no notice. And also the retailers all launched their pre-orders early, like a day early. But then no one has heard anything as far as I could tell. I couldn't find sifting through like Reddit and tweets and all that kind of stuff. I couldn't find anything about PlayStation's like super selective pre-order thing that Sony did all on their own. And I'm yeah. just like, if I was, if I had put my name in for that thing, I'd be so ticked off right now. I'd be like, you totally blindsided me with these, um, with these pre-orders through your retailers. You haven't even told me yet if I've been successful through your super secret selection process or not. And you haven't told me if I some like, do you still do you have stock set aside for us? Like they haven't detailed any of that. I'm just like, Sony, what are you doing? They're <laughs> such a mess. They're pulling a Nintendo, man. Like they yeah. know people are going to buy these boxes. So they just say like they just. They throw one of these consoles into a pile of people and they fight for it. And they just walk oh, away man. like they're a cool guy running away from explosion. You know, it's just they I don't know if they truly this is going to sound mean, but I don't think they care. I think they're just people are going to no, buy I mean, these boxes. Somebody's yeah, somebody's buying their boxes. Their yeah. playstations are sold out everywhere. Even if you and I had decided, hey, yeah, maybe I do want a PS5 at launch, we couldn't get one. So, yeah. We had a better <laughs> window. just doesn't care. <laughs> yeah. As Canadians, we had a better window in the sense that there, yeah. there's less demand um, as opposed to in the States. But um, it was still a, a, a Nintendo-sized window where when the pre-orders go live, you have a half hour to an hour to get in there. And that's if the things haven't crashed. And, uh, yeah, that was the yeah. thing apparently in the States is it looked like it sold out within the first 10 to 15 minutes. And even then it was people who'd been, you know, refreshing for 10 to 15 minutes. It was just like crash, 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 sold out. And it's like, but how, yeah. how did anyone get in? So, and I mean, you look at what Microsoft's... luck of the internet draw, I guess. <laughs> yeah. I mean, you see what Microsoft's doing with their pre-orders and they're saying like, we're launching on this date. We're launching at this time. You'll be able to go to this, these retailers. They've been very, um forward about their plans and i wonder if playstation is looking at that and it's like all right as long as we get out before the 22nd which is microsoft's date then we can kind of eat up that that sort of that uh that press window but it's like uh i don't know is did you really get what you were looking for yeah people bought the boxes but kind of left a, a sour taste in people's mouths but mm -hmm. a year from now this will this whole conversation about pre-orders will it will fall, it will fall behind and we'll be looking at these things on shelves and you'll get into that, you'll get out of that launch window when you'll be able to walk into a store and pick one up. And I'm looking forward to doing just that. But, um, you know, before we wrap up, I, I did want to ask you, you know, you talk about Horizon picking up a PS5 and I, I really think that's going to be my sort of uh, reason to pick one up as well. But the surprise announcement, like Spider-Man Miles Morales, that one was like kind of a, 
you know, been easy guess, but they've actually said that uh, Sackboy, A Big Adventure, which is another launch title, will be on PS4 as well. Uh, so I know that was one that you were looking at as that you might want to get so that you'll be able to get that one on day one on your current console. But Horizon Forbidden West is also going to launch on PS4. Like, does that sort of change your your mind on purchasing a, a brand new PS5? I mean, no. Yeah. <laughs> you, you... I want to play that game. First of all, I want a collector's edition just covered <laughs> in Aloy. I want that thing to look amazing and I don't even care how much it costs. I will buy it. And also <laughs> I want to experience Horizon on the absolute best hardware I possibly can because I mean, I've I've talked about it a bajillion times at this point, but it is like my favorite game. I just yeah, I will go all in with all the dollars on next gen stuff for Horizon. Like, yeah, yeah. all in. <laughs> I agree with you there. I think that's a like, even though Spider Man's going to be available on both, I'm willing to play it on the PS4 to <laughs> save myself eight hundred dollars shortly before Christmas, uh, in in these times. But I think for Horizon Forbidden West, it's like I I do. That's like the Last of Us two conversation. I want to play it on the the best console uh you know on on my new tv and kind of get that exp- the experience that the developers were initially targeting and we don't know yeah. whether the ps4 version is like built in tandem or has been ported it's so hard to tell these days and hopefully it'll be seamless like hopefully you'll just see like a um like a basically uh, uh what you would expect a sequel to look like if it were on the ps4 but a, a much higher fidelity a much smoother running ps5 version similar to what we got on pc when it was what is working but the cool thing is you will get an upgrade so for example if you um, hold off on buying a ps5 even with horizon forbidden west launching and getting it on ps4 you'll get the free upgrade upgrade to the ps5 version so if you purchase the digital version of your ps4 game It'll run on, you'll get the free upgrade to the PS5, but if you buy the disc version, you have to make sure you buy the PS5 with the disc drive, which makes sense, right? You need to authenticate yeah. the, the, the game the purchase. actually owning yeah. it. So that's, um, that's a good deal. I don't know. Like it, the fact that they are kind of still offering the PS4 up the, these experiences, that's, that's a big that's a first for PlayStation. I don't think they've really done that. Like the PS3, I don't think got much love like backwards uh or forward compatibility. I feel like Xbox has kind of forced them into that, right? Yeah, they they have kind of pushed it cuz that was their big that, that was, was their, their big, big strength. selling point. Yeah. Yeah, and um another, you know, thing that they did talk about briefly in the presentation was the PS Plus collection, which is probably uh, another shot at Microsoft, which is essentially if you have PS Plus on your PS5, you'll be able to download um, some heavy hitter PS4 games. So uh, God of War was one of them. Uh, Last of Us Remastered. Basically, a lot of PS4 games that came out pre, you know, 2019 and before. So not Ghost of Tsushima, not uh, Last of Us Part Two, but you had God of War in there, Bloodborne, like some you know, Uncharted Four. And you'll be able to play those on your PS5 with PlayStation Plus uh, at no additional cost. So again, yeah. looking at the Series X launching with thousands of games, it's kind of like, wow, the PS5 is launching with tens of great games. So uh, yeah, exactly. It's like it's it's the quality versus quantity argument, right? Yeah. Like PlayStation might only have ten to fifteen titles, but if they're all super solid and 
you know, triple A's and, and worth the price and everything else worth then, you know, yeah, you might have a thousand games, but if I'm only going to play two of them, then what do I care that there's 998 more? <laughs> it's a, it's a very kind of Apple curated approach. Um, you know, I've, uh, the kids have Android tablets for, uh, for, for their schoolwork. And, you know, it's like, oh, I got to download this specific app. You know, you look, you look for it in the app store. Like I think it was Netflix cause they're going to be doing a trip. And uh, you, you search Netflix on the app store. It's like, oh, Netflix pops up. And that's all that pops up. You search it on the Android store. It's like, yeah, Netflix pops up. But there's all these other like Netflix phony apps. And it's like, oh, my gosh. Yeah. Like, <laughs> I, it, you're right. Quality versus quantity. And it's really going to come down to, I don't know. It'll be really interesting to see how how everything plays out. And, and obviously, they're both going to have great holidays. That first initial rush, it always goes, I think, really well. But um the six month tail on that. Like I, I just don't know how Microsoft's going to be able to directly compete with some of these titles that are coming out in 2021 from Sony. Mm -hmm. Well, maybe we will get more information uh, in the intervening weeks between now and uh, November 10th and 12th. But uh, yeah, I mean, that's, that's basically everything we got from them in a nutshell this week. So Links will be in our show notes. If you want to go check it out, you can go to gamersinpodcast.com. You can also join the conversation over in our Discord. That is bit.ly slash TGI Discord. Or you can follow us on Twitter. You can find me, Jocelyn at Joss Plays. Ryan is at our Murphy. And don't forget to follow the show at The Gamers In. Thanks for staying at The Gamers In. Remember, tune in next week. Bye, everybody. Bye, everyone. <laughs>